Hey, before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about a place where dreams are made. If one of your New Year's resolutions is to get into the studio, finally get around to recording, maybe it's a single, an EP or an album, something you might have been talking about for a few years now, Bangers and Moss Studios in Hardy's Bay on the central coast of New South Wales is a place for you. Bob Trigg, he runs the show there. We only just recently had him on the podcast uh, a few months ago. The studio was completed in July of last year. That's 2022, so it's pretty spanking new and offers a comfortable and relaxed space. He's got all the gear there as well, so you don't really have to bring anything. He's got the drums, guitars, amps, the whole lot. It's ideal for bands, singers-songwriters, even for people like me, podcasters. Anyone who really wants to make a noise... It's all happening at Bangers and Mosh Studio. Say good day to Bob. Head to bangersandmosh.com. That's bangers with a Z. Now it's time for today's episode. Let's go, boys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. If it's the first time that you've been here, g'day. I, uh, I'm a music journo, I work in radio, and I do this podcast. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's been great since I uh, started in August last year. We've been dropping them every Wednesday. Some people have been listening since the start. Some people or some of you out there, this could be your first time. But basically how it works is we just bring someone on from the industry. They don't have to be an artist, but lately there's been a lot of artists on. And we just shoot the shit. So uh, that is basically it. Today I've got a guy, a friend of mine called Josh Paul. He has a solo act called Josh Josh. He is one of the nicest guys in the music industry. He's very insightful. He's also a producer as well. So he's a very busy man. We uh, had a chat about his career so far. Uh, plenty of good stuff on there as well. We, we sort of delved into his first ever gig where he played up in the mid-north coast and a certain somebody a huge name in the industry, look, it might have been Phil Jemison, rocked up to his first gig and you won't believe what he said to him <laughs> while he was on stage. Also, uh, Josh has a new record in the works. He's toured the US three times as well, which is pretty impressive. So we get the goss on, you know, those trips that he did over there in the land of the free. And we also talk about this idea that he came up with over the summer. Basically, uh, he made his own little tour with caravan parks. I think it is such a cool idea, and it's something that I reckon one day could take off. Uh, we're going to get the details on that, but here he is, Josh Paul, the singer-songwriter and producer. Yeah, I've been watching your show. It's cool. <laughs> I really like it. It's cool because there's like lots of people that I know just through doing music over the years. Yeah. And um, it's really cool hearing all their different stories and um, like their point of view on the way music is and how they do things. So I really like that. And it's cool because I know that like you're a muso yourself, great songwriter and you play in a band. So it's like this cool camaraderie of like our community all coming together. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. I'm just like um, intrigued by everyone's stories. That's why I've, I've started this podcast because – 
I don't know. I'm probably like you in that way as well. You know, it's like, it's always nice to to hear from other musos because I get inspired by other musos. Yeah, totally. I don't feel that competition or that heat of competition with other musos and stuff because we're all different in our own right. Definitely. Totally. It's sick seeing like what everyone can do now, like especially with the internet the way it is and like social media and stuff. It's pretty cool. I suppose the pandemic like just fastened all that up. It has its benefits of the way we work these days, but I know for you, and we've spoken about this on the phone before, but you did have a studio before the pandemic and things sort of shrunk a little, didn't they? Like you're able to work from home now, aren't you? Yeah, I work from home and I also have like a a little deal through Warner Music through this thing called W Songs that I can use their studio in their office. So that's been pretty good. So I didn't really need to have like my own, be paying rent in my own space. So that was like a mad godsend. <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, yeah. oh, thank you so much. But yeah, like I, I downsized studio just because the cost of running a big facility was was pretty high and we weren't really getting a lot of work. And I mean, musicians were broke as, so, and they were our customers. So it was pretty hard to make money off broke people to pay our bills. Yeah, so I guess I was like, let's downsize. So I moved to uh, a place called Love Hurts in Leichhardt. And I went halves in a studio with my mate, who's also a producer, Nathan Sheehy. And uh, yeah, we were there and we like, you know, just like spent the last of our money on like setting up the new space. And then they sold that building and uh, knocked it down and kicked us out like after nine months or something. So that was like a real bummer. Like I was like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this. (laughs) I just want to take a break. Yeah, and just, like, make my own music and just, like, chill and wait for this thing to, like, go away. There is two sides to you. You've got the songwriting side and the performing side, but this producing side in writing songs and creating songs with other people. How long have you been doing the producing for? Oh, a while. Um, I don't know. A fair few years. I kind of got into it through my brother's band, actually, at the time. He was in, like, a punk rock band. And I had just worked with a couple of other producers uh, for another band that I was playing guitar in. And I saw what they were doing with us and like their whole ethos as to how to make a record. And I thought it was really cool. And the creativity that came with that was like pretty much you could do whatever you wanted in the studio, which was to me was awesome because at that time when I first started going to studios, I was always like, oh, but how do we do this live kind of thing? We were very much like a live rock band. And um, the producer at the time, his name's Steve James, great producer. He said, oh, we're in the business of making records, baby. We're not in the business of live. And that really resonated with me. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, it's true. You can kind of just get like super creative. And I mean, people have been doing it forever, I guess. It just penny dropped for me at that point. So I thought like, oh, this is really cool. I thought their role in the studio was, was really cool. They brought like a breath of fresh air. It was like this new member of the band and they weren't too attached to it, but they were attached to it enough where they, they cared and um, they had like a really good musical understanding, uh, a great I like understanding of like melody and chord structure and stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool. And then when my brother's band uh, asked me to produce their little EP, I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And that was kind of like the start of it 
It's so daunting though when you first start. Like when you look at Pro Tools when you're in the studio, just me as an artist, like looking at it. You know, I remember the first time I saw it. You know what I mean? You're just like, how it do sucks. you do this? Man? And like, I can just be, I can just imagine there would have been so many people that would have loved to have done it, but then they just look at this fucking screen and just go, no, thank you. How did you push past yeah. that? It is hard. It, I got to say, that was one of the biggest challenges. Like, especially when you're like songwriting, you might be like creating demos to pitch to someone or something like that, or you're just making your own demos. It, you don't really have any cash at that point to hire an engineer to come in and like you don't want to really be asking your mates all the time because they're doing it for a living so you know you're kind of like okay save my money and time i'm just going to do this myself and it was a very frustrating process mm. because you kind of like in one way you kind of concentrate on just like writing the song and then like another thing is you're trying to perform well and then you're also trying to lose this bloody program that you got no idea about. <laughs> That's me every day. Like, cause I'm like, I use logic, which yeah. is a lot easier, but um, it was the hurdle I had to get over. I, I, I knew that I had all these songs that I wanted to record. And especially during the pandemic, when we weren't allowed to go anywhere, I was like, well, there's no better time to start mm. learning how I can just start tracking things. And I came into it a bit late in the yeah. game, but I'm really thankful. I think every artist should probably learn the basics of one of the doors out there. For sure. It makes you a heaps better songwriter. Well, in a way, yes and no. Because I, like, uh, I have this like uh, thing with a friend of mine, Nate. He's also a producer. And he's a great creative as well. We call it the campfire test of like any song that we do. If you can sit around and just sort of like play it around a campfire on acoustic guitar and was like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, there's something to be said for that and I've, i'm still on the fence as to which way is the best way yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. on the other side is like you as an artist also get to see it from the engineer's side yeah when an artist like me starts doing it themselves they realize just how how impressive a, an engineer or a producer can be because i listen to what's coming out of the speakers Boy. and i'm like oh my god that sounds shit how do they make it sound so good well, I mean, a lot of it does come down to performance too. Like, I remember one time I was doing a session with this like old rocker, and he had one mic in front of him. We just wrote a song that day, and we're like, oh, let's demo it out. We just threw the mic in front of him, and he just played it, and it sounded so awesome on my recording. And I remember just like sitting there going, like, how does this sound so good? Like, why is this the best? I've ever recorded and it was the most simple like of all setups like I didn't think too much it was just like whack the mic press record and it did come I think like later on I realized I was like hey he's just that good like that's why it sounds so good just the timbre of his voice the way he played his overall performance made a huge difference to the quality of that recording an artist can hide behind all the bells and whistles hey so the campfire test is just a a surefire way of just knowing whether the song's actually good or not. And I guess that's the catch-22 with, like, you know, the digital age and the, the software being so readily available for us. You can get, like, down these rabbit holes where, like, your whole goal might be, I just need to write a song. But yeah. now I'm, like, figuring out, oh, what does this delay do? And then what does this reverb do? Or, But I think that process over time and as, like, time keeps going on and as budgets get smaller for artists, you know, like, 
most artists have to do stuff at home because it's it's pretty expensive to to be an artist having that option to do stuff at home is very powerful mm. and i think and in time as as we develop maybe in 10 years we'll be making really killer records i mean we already are making great records at home yeah yeah it's crazy to think how how it has evolved because i've just listened to phil jemison talk from grinspoon and mm. uh, bernard fanning from powderfinger and they both spoke about how they were both given five record deals with record mm. labels. It's just unheard of. It does not happen anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> they would like a record label, Universal. Bernard Fenning was saying that the record label, when they picked them up, they said your third album is going to be great. And they hadn't even recorded the first album yet. So that's like they just knew that they'd be able to grow them into a really successful band and mm. well it paid off yeah definitely and they wrote great music great yeah. australiana rock i love that band they were awesome yeah i know and grinspoon oh yeah grinner's rock yeah i have a funny story about phil jamison actually yeah say it <laughs> the first time i ever did my first ever solo show as like josh i went and played in my hometown of port macquarie and he knows some friends and there and he comes in and heckles me so hard on my first kick. <laughs> it was so brutal. <laughs> what was he saying? Oh, man, I don't know. He was just yelling out. Uh, he was At one point, he was yelling out different bands that he had toured with. And I was like, "That that's cool, man. <laughs> and then he ended up getting up and playing a set by himself afterwards. And there was just like four of us in the pub. Wow. And it was so sick. Like it was awesome, and it was kind of good. It was like a trial by fire because it was like, all right, you have to be that good. <laughs> That's amazing. So were you like shitting bricks when he walked in? Hundred percent. I was like, what's he doing here? <laughs> I came here so that like no one really knew, you know. Like I invited like a couple of people from like home, like some of my family and stuff, and that was about it. Like this was about me just trying to like figure out how to to sing and play guitar live and he was like i'll show you how to do it yeah <laughs> and he literally did <laughs> <laughs> that's so hectic and it was so sick it was awesome though like when he got up and played like it was awesome like, he was like yeah, he had a few drinks so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was full rock and roll i i thought it was sick yeah I had full-on FOMO. You sort of told me to sort of come with you up the mid-north coast over the holiday period, and the the dates didn't really work with me. But um, how was that experience? That was so good. Can you explain what you did? Well, we wanted to do it during COVID, but um, it didn't happen. But the whole idea was like we just wanted to get out of Sydney and and go to regional places for one because we love surfing and there's great surf spots and a friend of mine he just took over managing a caravan park up there and he's like hey we want to do entertainment like do you guys want to come and and play we'll we'll pay you to play for like do a set you just got to bring your own pa and we'll give you a campsite for the week and then he's like you should hit up some of the other caravan parks in the area and see if they're keen too and i was like you know what that sounds really fun <laughs> so i just hit up all these different caravan parks called them up i wasn't really sure if they'd just be like oh no <laughs> why would we do that why would we pay you we don't know who you are 
And they were just like, yeah, we would love to have you come and play. And then we got up there, didn't really know what to expect. And it was probably some of the most meaningful shows I've ever had. Like you just have all these people who are completely relaxed. They're drinking, they're with their families. They're just on holidays, not on their phones. They're just hanging out, looking for something to do, I guess. And we all, you get like 30, 40 people there and they're all in their camping chairs and they just sit there and listen to you. And they didn't like yell at Kaysen or something like you won't put in the back of like a TAB somewhere like yeah. and they listened and and then you would hang out with them after the show and you you just like have a couple of drinks and just chat and get to know where they're from and you'd see people out surfing as well so I don't know it was this really cool like really grassroots humble way of just like trying to connect I guess like as an artist you always want to connect with an audience you always want to connect with people with your music because that's just like a really nice fulfilling feeling and this avenue allowed that to happen so you reckon you'll do it again then yeah definitely yeah for sure and they wanted us to come back so next time you got to come yeah i think i will you're gonna have to lock me in i'm gonna be sick because yeah, um, we'll do it next year all right let's do that because it's it's right what you say like in that sort of setting you you just get on a whole different level with people, don't you? Like you can tell your stories. Yeah. It's a little bit more relaxed and especially being there at the caravan mm. park, everyone's pretty chilled. It was really cool. I, I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really wholesome too. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And that's why I got to do it with you. For the people that are listening though, I met you at the Ritzy Kids first show. So we had you as the support on the Ritzy Kids first show. Yeah. That was a wild. That was a good fun night. I really enjoyed that. Was that was an epic night, man. Your fans are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they went crazy. Like, They're so was, full on. I loved it. but like everyone must have been drinking from like midday or something and it was like it was nearing nine o'clock at night and then when we went on stage (laughs) it just went even more nuts it was just went psycho it was like everyone was just like (laughs) (laughs) like just yelling so loud and it was awesome man it was so sick yeah that was a great first show for you guys though like Got to be stoked with that. Yeah, we were. We were we were pumped to, like, finally get the band going. And um, yeah. But I just remember being up on stage and, like, looking down and, and they were, like, moshing and, like, they're oh, holding yeah. beers and I'm like, oh, no, don't wreck the speaker, don't wreck the speaker. <laughs> but nothing got wrecked and everyone had a good, fun time. So Yeah. No, yeah, but awesome. that venue is pretty, pretty renowned for being loose. I think, I think you know. Yeah. It was pretty safe. I think. Well, well, after after the show, they had a um like a twenty four hour rave or something. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's nuts. Could you imagine being in there just like raving out till four a.m.? Oh, <laughs> man, those days are so far behind me. I'd much oh, rather no, be right? yeah. playing to a caravan park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. What's coming up this year for you? Are you doing a bunch of producing? Are you going to push out some more singles? Is there an EP? Yeah, so like I just finished sort of recording uh, a bunch of live takes on some songs. Uh, like the, we retract the drums, bass, and rhythm guitars live. 
So I went to Oceanic Studios in Brookvale, which is not too far from where I live, and they have, like, this big, beautiful old Neve desk. And, um, yeah, we just tracked a bunch of songs. We're like, oh, let's see if it sounds good. And and I listened back, we're like, oh, this sounds so good. So just going to go away and hopefully get just get, like, an Airbnb for the weekend and just track the vocals and overdub stuff that we didn't quite get on the day. And then I'm probably just release singles from there and just keep playing shows. We've got a show coming up in March, supporting a couple of guys from out of town. So I think it's like Tommy Gunn and this other band called Play Lunch. So that would be fun. That idea of playing uh, drums and bass and I think you said guitars live on a recording, mm-hmm. there's something beautiful about that, isn't it? Like when you're driving around and you listen to it done that way, I think Living End do it that way, but there's something to say about that live feel, isn't there? Yeah, big time. And this this record is definitely more rock than my last record. I had a friend of mine in the US, he, he gave me some feedback on on my last record and he was like, you know, everything's really nice and stuff. And he's like, but you're a guitar player and you, and you played in a rock band. He's like, there's nothing like that. And he kind of called me out on it. And I was like, oh yeah, I, like I, I did spend a lot of time playing in a rock band and playing lead guitar and stuff. And that was a huge part of my life. This time around, I was like, yeah, I really wanted to do that. And your friend Andy Clues as well. He was like helping write, write a lot of the songs, and and we were having we were playing live together in the band, and we were just sort of like, oh, this band thing feels really cool. And Joey was on the drums, and this other guy, um, Damien, we were just jamming, and I was like, yeah, this is really cool. I'd like to try and achieve that this time around, and make it a bit more rock, and play electric guitar on a lot of the tracks. And um, when we got there on the day. We spent probably like four or five hours pulling tones and then we'd recorded everything in like one or two hours. Wow, <laughs> like we did like four quick. or five takes. Yeah, it just all came together really quickly. And the guys I was playing with were like great musicians. The drummer Joey is a good friend of mine and he's just such a great drummer and I wanted to really capture his drumming on this record. So I think he's just such a great drummer and I wanted to capture something that he could always like look back on and be really proud of. I can see why you've got Joey in the band too and you why you wanted to record live. I've seen him play live a few times and he really brings such a, a huge amount of energy. Dude, he's so good. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I knew what I needed to do um, as a, like an idea and then I was like, right, I need this person, this person, this person to make all yeah. that happen Yeah. and um, getting everyone to come together. And then when we got together and for it to come together like it did, it was just like, oh, this is – this is probably the best music I've ever made. Nice. And and having Andy in the band, he's a good songwriter in his, in his own right as well. He's a freak. He's he's ridiculous. <laughs> he's so good at guitar. Yeah. He's so good at drums, great at bass, like plays mm. keys, like produces like electronic music really well. He's been doing stuff with his partner, Cass, who's just like a great singer. And yeah, like everyone was a really – good musician um had been doing it for a long time and yeah and andy's brother mitch he's he's a freak as well i, I don't know freak how as I, well i'm really keen to hear this live um recordings as well so more josh josh on the way 
and a couple of gigs. How are you going getting gigs? I mean, you you had a laugh before about only having two or three gigs lined up. I haven't got any lined up at the moment. So, oh, actually, no, I'm playing tonight. That's a lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but apart from tonight, yeah, it's hard. It's it's tough going getting gigs at the moment. I actually found it pretty hard last year, particularly like with the style of music that I was doing. I think having like going and doing that traditional route of playing pubs um, as a singer songwriter, you kind of just get put in the corner and like people don't really listen. And like you're like trying to compete with like just that noise in the room and stuff. It's, it's pretty hard. Um, so I'd been playing as a band, but yeah, it's definitely changed a lot since when I first started, I remember when I first started, it was get gigs all the time, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you'd be able to just hit up a venue and be like, Hey, I'm a local band, local singer. Can you have me on? And then they, you know, they get back to you and sort of, but now it's like sort of run by the agencies, which I can understand, but I feel like that's also mm. really hurting a lot of the guys trying to come, guys and girls trying to come through. Look, there are some good gigs out there and there are good venues that will still let you in, but it is a bit tough going for, for a lot of, a lot of bands. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about our industry. I think that um, as a whole, there's like a big gap for people who are trying to get get a start and then the people who are kind of doing okay and have that like, I don't know, five, ten years under their belt. You can't just go start playing Oxford Art Factory in the main floor room straight away. It takes time to get there. But also, like, if you can't sell tickets to the gallery bar, they won't give you a gig. And it's like, well, where do, where do, where do you go play? That's like a cool venue. And-, and we've been putting on our own shows because of it. Like like that show with you at the bridge was was fantastic. And we played one at the Sunken Monkey just here on mm-hmm. the coast. And um, But the only thing is when you put on your own show, like we've been doing, like you've got to – but I hope it sort of works because you're the one putting the money in, you know, so. It does cost money to be an artist. Like yeah. there's no two ways around it. And there's a lot of people that have to get paid mm. to even play a show. And I think like after COVID, a lot of the money did dry up. And yeah. that's going to take time for that to come back. I don't know. Something will change. Something will happen. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the traditional route of playing in venues is is becoming less of a thing i don't know but i think there's something to be said about going into a venue especially when you need to cut your teeth and like no one listening to you no one caring about you and and so you know how that feels yeah oh yeah so you can like go through that and be like oh i'm a piece of shit no one cares about me (laughs) it makes you it makes you a better artist because you're like no you know what it's not about that you never forget those moments when there's no one in the crowd. I, I have so many of them. Uh, <laughs> like, and I always go back to this one, the Hamilton Hotel uh, up in Newcastle. And, uh, <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm starting to get worried because I'm playing there up at Newcastle tonight and I hope that it's not going to be a repeat. But yeah. anyways, playing in a band years and years ago and uh, we played to the mixer at the back of the room and that was it. It was like, <laughs> it was like. Uh, How good is that? You yeah. went and did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we still walked out on stage to no one, and we're like, "Ah, oh, well, we'll just treat it like we're at band practice." 
Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, when when I was touring America, th- th- some places you went to is like that. You're like, man, we traveled a long way to play to no one. Like, we spent a lot of money to get you. <laughs> so deflating, but it's so like you, when the years roll on and stuff, you learn a lot from those experiences. Like when I think back at the Hamilton, I think oh, I probably yeah. obviously I obviously didn't promote it well. Or I didn't tell anyone. I mean, we weren't the main band on the bill. We were like probably the openers or something. But like. It is deflating and yeah. it is a great lesson. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to win people over as you can, I guess. Like if there's no one there, it's like you, you got to win over the sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was too enthused either. Um, how was the American tour? <laughs> how was America? Oh, it was so cool, man. It was really cool. I was a lot younger. Like, yeah. um, I went there when I was like 21 and I'm 34 now. So it's going back, yeah. but we did three tours and, um, got to meet so many amazing people over there. One thing I did really love about America was their sense of community. Um, if you haven't been there before and, and like been in amongst it, the media doesn't portray them in the best way, but they actually really care about each other and they really they do. They're lovely people, the Americans. Yeah. And, um, and I like came back home and not to poo on my own country or whatever, but like, I was like, man, we should do what they do here on that community sort of mm. side of things. Like bands would piggyback tours with people all the time. And I guess there was like venues kind of had more of a budget maybe and places were closer and like there's more people. So I guess, you know, it's not exactly the same, Yeah. but that experience of being able to like, find another local band that was kind of like your same size in Australia, but in America and go and play to like, I don't know, 50 people for a week, a night was great. Cause that was a great way for us to build our fan base. Yeah. And like we could sell merch and, and stuff. And like, we always paid our way to go over there, but by the end of it, I mean, our third tour, like everything was paid for and we we're making a bit of money wow. every week. You know, it was a huge investment. But it was a really, really cool experience. And the guys that I was playing with, I was the youngest in the band, so I was kind of a bit naive to everything. But, you know, they all worked really hard to get us over there, and it wasn't easy. Like, we slept on floors, travelled in vans, like, couches. Mm. We would look up, like, whatever special was on any sort of, like, hotel, and we'd someone would take turns sleeping on the floor and then you'd have like two people in a sharing a double bed and yeah. <laughs> That's wild. I love that story. Yeah. Sometimes you play for tips and yeah. I took my guitar um, over there and then I drove from LA to New York and I just played random places, like just ended up at house parties. Okay. We, we were playing at a house party in, in San Diego and um all the people in the house just ran through and out the back door and started jumping the fence. It was like full on, like one of those American movies and everyone's drinking out of the red cups. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, why is everyone running? And they said, um, oh, the cops are here. And I was like, yeah, but we're That's all over true. age. Like we're all of age. And I was 25 at the time. And they were like, yeah, but yeah. we're under 21. And I'm like, oh, cause you know, obviously in oh, Australia, oh, yeah. yeah but, 
And so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and that's obviously the drinking age in California. And they were all like jumping the fence, trying to get away from the police. It was wild. We had, we had such a good time. That's cool. So how, so how long did that take you to get across? Like, that's a pretty cool run of shows. Like, that's awesome. We spent like five weeks driving across and it was just me playing like in random places. Like I just rock up at like, some would be open mm. mics, some would be house parties, mm. some would be um just random, random places. So like just venues where we just go, oh, can I play a couple of songs? And they'd be like, yeah, cool. So it was, it was pretty wild. And, and we slept in the van the whole time. That's so sick. That was nuts, man. And and we would pull up. I remember we were in Louisiana and we were so tired driving the van around. We were in a really bad place in Louisiana. Like it was rough, rough as guts. And it was hot. It was about 35 degrees at night, all night. And we're like, let's park behind <laughs> the um, nursing home because surely if anyone's going to shank us, they're not going to come and find us behind a nursing home. And then we had this plan where yeah. I was like, if you hear anything, like we had the keys in the ignition ready to go. We had a plan, a full getaway plan, just in case someone was going to come and <laughs> come and harm us. <laughs> it's wild to think back on those days, you know, like doing that, those sorts of things. Yeah. It's, it's cool that you did that. Cause I think like not everybody gets to do that. I think like everyone's like, oh, you should, people that are, like, when we first went, people were like, oh, why are you going to America? Like, shouldn't you be bigger here? And yeah. we just felt like we got as big as we could here. And we're like, let's just go. Yeah. Like, why can't we do what we do in Australia over there? And you just go and do it. It was awesome. And then you make fans and you have these great experiences. I reckon like more bands should do it. You can't put a price on a day. Nah, you can't. And it's like, they're, they're, that's what being an artist is all about, I guess. Like, you know, going and connecting and sharing your music with others. It's such a sick, such a sick thing. Yeah. yeah. I've never done Europe or anything. I'd love to do that. I've got a buddy in England. He's always like, come over and play. So I was like, yeah, I should. You should do that. Just do it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like with social media now, it's like you, you can just like contact venues and, mm. and and people within that area if you do a little bit of research and you could just go. I think there's just something to do with like the visa thing, but <laughs> visas. yeah. Yeah. All right, Josh, thanks so much for jumping on the Street Press podcast. It's been a great chat. Um, some of my highlights. The review from Phil Jemison's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <It's> brutal <laughs> and we'll have to catch up um not only just for a beer but we we've got to get some plans in place to uh to do some caravanning yeah for sure <laughs> ritzy kids josh josh tour yeah ritzy kids josh josh tour let's get that happening that would be sick thanks for jumping on josh it's always good to have a chat with josh um you know, whenever we pick up the phone, it's always a phone call that probably can be done in 10 minutes, but we chat for like an hour and a half. We pick each other's brains. He's just a very easy guy to have a chat with. So uh, once he releases some new music, we'll get him back on. All right, it's time for this. Yeah, this is the part of the show where you can write on in. Head to thestreetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters, uh, or you can check out the Street Press Podcast on Instagram and write a comment down there as well. You can write nice things about the show, things that you think that suck. 
Um, <laughs> all that kind of thing. But we haven't had many of those comments. Um, but we got two this week. Uh, the first is from Arabella and the Heist, a uh, band up there in Brizzy. They say, hey, Sean, love your work. Would love to make something happen sometime. Keep killing it. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to jump on there and check you guys out. Uh, and this one's from Lockie. Uh, he's put a, a request in. So uh, on the streetpresspodcast.com, you can also put in a request and I will chase the artist up. He says, Dylan Joel. I always see him popping up in different places over the last decade. Uh, he seems like an interesting dude. So uh, thank you for that one, Lockie. And thank you to the band, Arabella and the Heist. Uh, also want to say a huge shout-out to the people that came and saw me play a solo show at the Wickham Park Hotel, the Wicko, up in uh, Newcastle on Friday night. It was cool to see some people travel. So I want to say thank you to Sam, Leanne, Kieran, Gabby, Owen. Um, did I say Kieran? I don't know. Um, thanks for coming. It was cool. It was a night where I got to share some stories, play some original songs. I uh, played some of my own stuff, Sean Fraser stuff, and played some Ritzy Kid songs as well. It's just good to be on stage. Love it. All right, that's a wrap on this week. Don't forget, next Wednesday, someone else from the industry on the Street Press podcast. We're dropping these every week. Till then, ta-da. Ta-da.